0: praise god today i can't say i don't feel it because it'd be a lie thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord thank you praise team thank you jesus for being here in this place i just got to pray before we start lord heavenly father we just thank you for your presence in your place we thank you lord for your spirit that is so sweet in your house We thank you, Lord, for bringing each and every one of us here today to receive and to praise and to just rejoice, oh Lord, in what you're going to do today, this very day, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come in expectation, in expectation of the power of God being shown in this place right here, right now today. And we don't know what you're going to do, but we know you're doing. We know you're working. We know you're moving. And so we just declared in the name of Jesus that today is going to be a blessed day in this place. Bless me, O Lord, as I bring your word. Give me your thoughts. You've already done that. Give me your direction as I share your thoughts, Lord, as I share your word. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture today is from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. I read from the New Revised Standard Version. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, Far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Some of you might remember that a couple of weeks ago we began with some scripture from Ephesians and we established that Paul was writing to a church that was composed of Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians, but mostly Gentile Christians, and that he had told them that they were now part of the great family of God, equally through faith. That he had established that there was not like a second-class member in the family of God. There's no second-class children. They were all called and invited through faith in Jesus Christ to become part of that family. And today, having established that, having shared with them that they're heirs of salvation, having established that they're brothers and sisters in Christ, now Paul says a prayer for those believers who he has been instructing. And his prayer is very important because it reflects his conviction about who God is and who they are in Christ. You know, you can tell a lot a prayer, by how we pray. And how Paul prayed for these, these people in the church of Ephesus, to me, is important. He did it on bended knee. Have you prayed on bended knee at any point? I can tell you I have. I don't know if you have. But if you've never been on your knees even for one prayer, you won't understand this, but if you get down on your knees to pray to God, There's this attitude of reverence, an attitude of awe, in recognition of who it is that you're praying to, in recognition that you aren't worthy, but by his mercy and his grace, he receives your prayer, in recognition that you need him more than he needs you, in recognition that you are incomplete without him. And that's how Paul prayed for this church. He got on bended knee. He got down on his knees and he prayed for this church because he wanted them to understand that God had so much planned for them. You know, God has so much that he wants us to know and so often we only get a small view, a small snippet of all that God has in works for us. You know, I love that last song, even when I don't see it, you're working. And I, I, I've always said, I always want to get to heaven and see that flow chart of all of the events in my life because if we ever got an understanding of all the things that God is working in our favor every single day, it would blow our minds that God would have such care and love for each and every one of us and that he's able to do it, you know? There's so many of us and he's still able to do that as he watches over us. Paul wanted them to understand that they couldn't do anything through their efforts alone. That it was not something that they could obtain through their merits or through their good works or good deeds. But that this work that they were being called to as a church, that this work that they were about was a work that was done in community. And so if you look throughout the scripture today, you don't find you, you find we you don't find my you find ours you find all these plural nouns because he's not writing to an individual in the church he's writing to the church as a body of christ as a group of believers that are tied together in mission and purpose and that god is using together as a unit you know one of the things that we need to learn in church is that we need to be of one spirit and one mind in christ that our purpose has to be united in whatever it is that God is calling the body of Christ to do. So what is he praying for? He prays for strength. Immediately when I say strength, the image that comes to us are muscles. Because that's what we think about when we think about strength, right? You think about some bodybuilder and the big muscles, strength, strong. Mighty, right? But if you read closely, you notice that he says that he's praying for strength. But it's not the kind of strength that we think about when we think about strength. He says, I'm praying not for physical strength. I'm praying for spiritual strength. For strength in the inner person. For strength that comes from Christ from strength that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of you, the kind of strength that you cannot attain by your own self, but that only comes as a gift from God. It's the strength that comes from knowing the love of Christ that is given to us and is unmerited. That kind of strength is what I'm going to pray for you. And he says, I pray that you have the strength that comes from knowing the love of Christ and being rooted and grounded in it. Our strength comes from love. Doesn't that sound strange to you? When we think love, we don't really think strength. When we think love, we often think of Maybe the opposite like if you're in love with somebody you're just melting for them and you're just weak and you're just giving in or whatever but he says love is the source of our strength the love of Christ and he says you have to be rooted and grounded in it and the minute you hear the word rooted you think of roots of a plant rooted right and you think about the fact that those roots are what supplies nourishment to the plant and so when you put that together with the image that he's trying to give us to be rooted in the love of Christ is to let the love of Christ feed our lives to the point that it moves us into action. That it is the love of Christ being fed into our lives that moves us to love others and to do for others. And that if it wasn't for the love of Christ, we wouldn't be able to withstand some of the things that happened to us in life. The other thing I think about when I think about rooted is when there's a storm. And you know what trees fall over? The ones whose roots are not very strong or very deep or very wide. You see, God is more interested in your roots than he is on the part above that everybody sees. He's more interested in your relationship with him and how deep your relationship is with the love of Christ than he is on how big your branches are or how big your house is or how profitable your business is or how successful the world says you are. He's interested in how intimate you have come to know the love of Christ to the point that it has changed the way you live. And he says, if you are rooted in that love, storms will come, storms will bend your your branches. They might even break a few, but you will remain standing at the end of the storm. Doesn't mean you won't go through it. It means that you're so rooted in Christ that his love carries you through. And then he says, you also have to be grounded in the love of Christ. And this image is not in my notes, so I don't have to read it because God gave it to me at the early service. You know, when we think of grounded, we think of electricity, right? You think about being grounded to the ground. Anybody know what happens when you touch something electric and you're not grounded? That's how electricians fly across the room. Yeah, it shocks you and you take the full brunt of it. But what happens when you're grounded goes through you. It goes through you. And he's saying, when you're grounded in the love of Christ, things that come and normally would destroy, would shock, would destroy and obliterate somebody else, will go through you because you have the love of Christ that gives you the power to have that go right through you instead of destroying you. He says, you got to be grounded in that love. And that means staying connected to each other and staying connected to God. How many things in your life can you think about where if you had not been grounded in the love of Christ, your life would have ended there? Your life would have been a mess there. That might have been it for you or for somebody you know. You have to be grounded. This reminder is so important because so many times we want to say we're grounded, but we don't want to work on those roots We don't want to develop that relationship to the way that God wants it to develop so that it's able to withstand the storms. We're not willing to stay connected to God enough to be able to withstand what the world will throw at us. So when we hear about strength through love, it is through God's love and our connectedness to it. And that's why Paul prays for that. The second thing he prays for is power. And again, power, again, we think force. We think force. You think power, you think force. You think electricity, right? Power. We got power, we got lights, we got all kinds of things going. But look at how he prays for power. The power he prays for is for the power through the Holy Spirit that comes to us from above as a gift of grace from the Father. As a gift from God the Father to us. Our power alone is simply not enough. You know, when we try to power stuff, it's like those little lights flickering when the battery's dying. (laughs) When God powers it, it lights up the place. And it stays lit. Our light often dwindles and comes and goes. But God's light is permanent. The power to comprehend is what he asked for, really. He says, I want you to have the power to comprehend God's will and God's desire for your life. The power to understand God's plans and God's will is something that every single one of us should want. You know, if nothing else, we should want God to help us understand what he wants us to do. Because if we know what he wants, or if we know what his will is, then we can be better prepared to follow it. But how much time do we spend sometimes just seeking the will of God? So Paul says, I'm going to pray that you comprehend the will of God, what he wants for this community of faith. What he wants for the church of Ephesus. And that you need to have that will in order to fill it. And then Paul prays for them to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. He says, before you think this is all about learning and understanding through knowledge and through education, let me tell you that I want you to know a love that cannot be explained through knowledge. Surpasses that which you can comprehend. This is extremely important in a time in which people thought that knowledge was the way to God. They thought that if you just learned more and knew more, then you were closer to God. And Paul basically blows that out of the water, says, I want you to to know a God whose love is so unknowable that you can't learn it. It's got to be shown to you and revealed to you through Jesus Christ. Without him, you could not receive it. You cannot understand it. So I pray for that knowledge that surpasses, that that knowing that surpasses knowledge. A love that is so great that knowledge and words are insufficient to describe it. Filling of ourselves with God is the last thing that he prays for. For us to know the fullness of God. And here you know, when we think about our need of God, when we think that we need God, oftentimes we, we come to God, we say, God, I need you. And at the first sign of God giving us something, we rejoice and we go home and celebrate and we're done. And what God is saying is, no, this is, this is not what I want. I don't want you to just take one spur-of-the-moment blessing or one spur-of-the-moment revelation. I want you to live in miracles. I want you to live in the word. I want you to live in my presence every single day. I want you to want more of me, not less of me. I want you to thirst and hunger for the truth revealed to you in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, "I want you to have the fullness of God." I think about it. You go to a buffet, you don't grab the little plate and grab two or three things and you're done. You eat until you can barely walk out of the place. And God is saying, I have set the table for you, and I have put all of my blessings and all of my provision and all of my revelation for you in Jesus Christ. Why are you taking the small plate? Why are you not picking the big plate? Why are you not filling up on me to the fullness of what I have to give to you? There's so much more that I want to reveal and give to you and pour out to you, and you just have to open up to it. You know, you have to turn that cup up. You know, you have to receive what God is trying to give you. Paul was praying that they would hunger and thirst for God to the point that nothing would keep them from seeking the Lord day and night. Now, the problem with hunger is you can eat and it'll go away. And after a little while, you're going to be hungry again. And he was saying, we need to have that same hunger for God. That getting God just on Sunday is not enough. I want him Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. That just receiving a blessing here or there is not enough. I want God's blessing every day. That receiving words from God is not just a one-time thing, but something that happens continuously in my life. Because what? Because I'm seeking it. Because I'm searching for it. Because I am asking God to pour out until I am full. Paul's prayer for us is that we will be full of God that we will experience the fullness and totality of what God has to offer. Do you realize that there's no such thing as too much worship? No such thing as too much prayer? No such thing as I read my Bible way too much this week? There is no such thing as I went to the church too many times this week? There's no such thing as I serve God too much, I got to do other stuff now? There is no such thing as too much of God. We can always use more. Paul closes his prayer with a recognition of who it is that he's praying to. And I want you to hear this closely because this is where God's bringing it home. He is praying to the one who is able to accomplish and do far more than we can ever imagine or ask for this is who he's praying to this is who he's talking to do you realize that our imagination in asking God for things falls short of his best plans for us fall short and you know we ask God for a lot of stuff sometimes the wrong stuff But our asking and our imagination of what God can do for us is often limited because we believe in God, little G, instead of God, big G. We believe in God, but we don't believe all that God is able to do. We believe in the God that can do this much, but this other stuff he just can't do. And Paul was saying we serve the God of the impossible, We serve the God that can do what is impossible for us to do or even imagine being done. And I got to tell you, today he wants to do the impossible. Today he wants to do the impossible. Since I entered the sanctuary this morning, God said, I am going to do something today. I don't know what. But through the study of the scripture, I've come to the conclusion that God wants to do the impossible, that today God wants to do miracles in people's lives, whether it be healing, whether it be something that you've been holding back on asking for because you think that's too big, because you think it's impossible, because if you think it can't happen, the likelihood of that happening is not too great. I am here to tell you today that today is the day you ask God for the impossible, Because God wants to answer that prayer. God wants to answer the impossible prayer of your heart. And so today I'm going to open the altar. I'll ask the praise team to start making their way up. I'm going to open the altar because I don't want you to come with your softball pitches to God. I want you to come to to come up to the altar with your fastball. I want you to come with the impossible prayer that you've been holding back on. That prayer that you think just can't be answered or for whatever reason can't happen. I'm here to tell you today that you need to pray in faith as Paul invited the church to do and to believe that the God of the impossible is here today because I got to tell you, he's here. Whether you want to accept it or not, he's here. And he's ready to receive your prayer. And so I'm going to ask the prayer team to start playing something soft while I say a couple more things. Maybe you are one of those people that has felt that the other people's prayers are always answered and not yours. And for some reason, your prayer doesn't make it past the ceiling. And I'm here to tell you that God's been hearing your prayers whole time that God has been there for you the whole time and he wants you to trust him that he can answer your prayers that sometimes the answers you get are not the answers you thought you would get but that God knows exactly what you need in your answer so I want to invite you to just throw your prayer at him tell him what it is you're praying for and then be open to what God wants to answer in return because God knows what is best for you God knows what you need not what you want but he wants you to pour out your heart come to that altar put it down before Jesus today is the day God wants to do that miracle for you let us worship. The altar's open.